1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Welcome in ladies and gentlemen to a National Signing Day edition of the Bengal Tiger recruiting podcast. I am Billy Embodi. With me is Shay Dixon, fresh off his Red Baron Pizza and a visit with Brian Kelly for his press conference. Shay, traditions are traditions. Let's start there. Why why the Red Baron Pizza?
1: well it's a throwback it's multi-layered here uh one on signing day typically now this signing day is a little bit more calm but we had brian kelly at noon this certainly applies to the early signing period where all day i never leave my desk so i have to cook something from the house red baron's my go-to there will be no slander it's already getting torn apart on the board DiGiorno's i'm hearing tatinos i'm hearing every end of the price spectrum People are going for, but I've got some Red Baron backers in my corner. Here's the flip side and the people who are saying shame, just order pizza to the house. It's about the same price. It's just as good. The reality is it's not just as good. There's only one that's just as good pizza hut and pizza hut in Baton Rouge doesn't start delivering until like five o'clock. So that's why I said if, if I could have a pizza hut delivery, it would trump it. But if without it, I'm a Red Baron guy.
0: Well, there we go. A uh, little intel there. I enjoy the Costco pizzas, uh, a little DiGiorno from time to time, and Domino's is my go-to on the delivery front. So uh, let's let's jump in here before you slander my pizza choices. Um, I was about to. Yeah, I, know, I saw it. Um, LSU went into National Signing Day with two prospects that were unsigned. One was five-star plus defensive lineman Dominic McKinley, who was committed to the Tigers, and another they were hoping to land Five-star-plus athlete Terry Bussy out of Timpson High, flipping from Texas A&M. Let's lead off with Bussy, and then we'll go through the rest of the good news, uh, the rest of the pod. Bussey ends up sticking with Texas A&M. You and I talked about it a lot on the podcast last week, and pretty much nothing really changed. LSU had a puncher's chance in a way. They felt good about it, um, but both sides felt good. They had laid out their best foot. Uh, pretty much the only prospect uh, A&M recruited outside of Ashton Bethel-Roman. And then LSU was 10 toes down recruiting Terry Bussey with Dominic McKinley uh, committed. It just wasn't enough. He stuck with uh, Texas A&M, which is kind of what we thought uh, throughout the cycle with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes, throughout the cycle for certain. You had written a piece on Tuesday saying you thought ultimately he was going to stick with A&M. Whenever I talked to sources, even around LSU, signing day Eve tidbits, Billy were still, look, they've got a puncher's chance, but I would lean A&M. And I think in the end, what LSU battled here is familiarity and comfortability with A&M. He had long been considered a guy who was an A&M lean, as you said, way back in the spring. I mean, he was going to commit to A&M in the summer. What was he, Billy? He was injured or banged up. And he didn't make some visits. So he was like, oh, well, let me wait to make visits until the fall. And he did right away. He went to Alabama, he went to LSU, official visits. Then he committed to AM. So he'd already picked AM over everybody else once. LSU goes on to flip four AM commitments two on the D line, two on the O line, and two of them were in Texas. So this isn't uncharted territory. And they'd been in it with Bussy for so long that it was like, all right. How how far can they get with this? Well, he doesn't sign in December. That's notable news. A lot of AM guys did sign despite Jimbo being fired and coaches being hired and open positions still being there. Terry said, I'm going to wait. We get to the end of January and Billy, he crammed basically the final part of his recruiting process into like a week. He went to Georgia, then he went to LSU midweek, then he went to A&M to end things. And I think he was saying all the right things to LSU. I think he had a lot of interest in LSU, but the reality was, and we talked about it on the Bengal Tiger, he never committed to LSU. And Frank Wilson says it all the time publicly. If you don't have a commitment from a kid going into signing day, it's probably not you. And a funny thing about this is there were, in the on three top 300, there were no uncommitted kids entering the day. There were unsigned kids like Dominic McKinley. We'll talk about him in a second. Ryan Williams at Bama, you know, notable players, but there was no debate over where they were going. It was an odd thing to cover a recruitment like Bussy, where he was committed to AM, never decommitted from A&M, gave them his final visit, but at no point said, oh, I'm locked in, I'm 100%. He just continued to entertain all of his suitors until the end. So despite being committed, he goes into a signing day and we're like, oh man, how do you put hats on the table, all that? We tune in at Timpson High, Billy. There are no hats on the table. There's no cake. There's no anything. There's no balloons or banners. Nine o'clock announcement. He was sat down at 8.58. By 9.02, he had said, I'm going to A&M. And he spoke for probably 15 seconds. So he didn't drag it out. But it's almost like as odd as everything felt throughout it with him being committed and open, the signing day ceremony kind of drove home just how kind of un. It's just not something we've seen a lot. A kid who is committed holding a ceremony that wasn't really even a ceremony. He talked for four minutes and then it was over with.
0: Yeah, it it, and it kind of just, I think, went back to the fact that he is not a I mean, some people will say, oh, he took all the attention or whatever of being in this position. I mean, he did maybe a handful of interviews at like if that. Uh, throughout kind of his run to a state championship and then um into uh, the late signing period and you know am is just I think where he wanted to go and i I do think though, and I'm somebody asked a good question on the board if you know you don't want to take moral victories, but what did this show you about lSU's ability going forward as a defensive staff? and I was very impressed. you know, I talked to Terry last week after he got done with his 12 hour, LSU visit a little less than 12 hours on campus they packed a lot in they got together with Brian Kelly Frank Wilson Sherman Wilson guys that had been recruiting him but the big thing for LSU was he had to meet Corey Raymond he had to meet Blake Baker and really talk about their plan for him and I think we're seeing as Corey Raymond starts to recruit some 25s which we'll talk about later this month as we turn the page they have a really compelling pitch when you talk about how Blake Baker knows how to use versatile defensive backs could see roles like that for a Terry Bussey and then Corey Raymond's development they made it interesting and I do think like you said LSU had a chance they had some good relationships built but sometimes you just battle a kid wanting to go somewhere I mean he's really close to Dalen Evans who signed with with a I talked to one of uh, uh, LSU's uh, 2024 signees and he was you know, pretty, not adamant, but he said, look, I would have been surprised if um, Terry Bussey would flip from AM. You know, he just seemed very comfortable. That was kind of the word that most sources came back to. And when it went into signing day at 50-50, um, it was not, you know, it just wasn't too surprising that he did end up sticking.
1: Yeah. And look, he had not told, and we had heard this from Bussey had said it that, no staff knew in September where he was going. So I guess it didn't come as a major surprise that he took everyone down to the wire uh, here at signing day. But I think LSU fans, he was the only guy out there that they were still chasing. McKinley, a five-star, number one player in Louisiana, signs today. We'll talk about him now. But the reality that the past four months, and I know a lot of attention has been put on 2025 and the number one class and getting a trio of five stars and now knocking down all these Louisiana dominoes, like we'll continue to talk about that in the coming months and year but to put a bow on this 2024 class they were on fire the past three to four months and they ended up signing and now pushing with getting mckinley what the number four class on on three that's about as good as you're going to get behind bama georgia and ohio state when you're working off back-to-back 10 win seasons with a new head coach so i don't think the bussy thing stung even though he's a db i don't think it's stung as much given hey as you noted we see what the new defensive staffs doing we see what they're doing as a whole in recruiting and it's meaning going in the
0: right direction yeah and lsu did sign five star plus defensive tackle dominic mckinley out of acadiana again a kind of a quick ceremony for him he had you know already gone down the ceremony path at one point when he committed to texas a&m today was a celebration as he committed uh, signed with lsu i should say uh, giving lsu the number one player in the state of Louisiana, one of the best prospects in the entire country as a five star plus and uh, one of the best defensive linemen, more importantly, which Brian Kelly talked about the need for defensive linemen in his signing day press conference to get Dominic McKinley to sign. Very important. He was committed. It's not surprising because with Bo Davis coming on board, LSU solidified his decision with that hire from what his his mom told uh, me Um you know, throughout uh their their January process, uh, as they got to know Bo Davis's uh the LSU defensive line coach, he was already at Texas, this was uh just a huge addition and you know, with bussy signing elsewhere, this kind of gets overshadowed, but it absolutely should not.
1: No, and you're if you're watching on YouTube, <clears throat> excuse me, you'll see as is- ranking number three D lineman in the country, number 13 overall prospect on the industry rankings and the number one player in Louisiana. So for so many reasons, this was a massive one. And look, he had a great junior year. He had another really good senior season. And then he went to the all American bowl and really tore things apart. Uh, or I should say the under armor all American game that practice week against some of the nation's best alignment. Uh, he was in bully mode and it, up to his stock even more. I think almost every recruiting service bumped him even further up their lists and rankings. Um, no one had him ranked outside the top twenty-five, regardless of position. And I, when you look at it, Billy, it's hey LSU needed a lineman. LSU needed a lineman. And Brian Kelly said today, "Look, we got some good ones, but we're going to still look in the spring portal window. We're going to see if we can move some guys around because we want more depth there." But when you talk about recruiting elite guys and developing them. You want to be competing with the best of the best. And Dominic McKinley being the number three D-lineman in the country, that's a big win. L.J. McRae, who's from Florida, uh, is the number one D-lineman in the country, signed with Florida. Uh, Miami signed the number two D-lineman, Justin Scott. They went up to Illinois to do it. OU, who's joining the SEC, had the number four D-lineman. Georgia, the number five D-lineman. Then you get right back to number seven D-lineman in the country. LSU signed him, Gabriel Relliford. And that makes two of them McKinley and Relford that they flipped from Texas A&M. So two Louisiana guys committed to A&M, they flipped them both at major positions of need. And when the dust settles on three ranks, both guys is top seven defensive linemen in the country. Um, and now you've got Bo Davis running things on the D line, someone who has got plenty of skins on the wall, whether it's with recruiting or development, however you want to slice it. It feels like a, it is a position of worry,
0: but it's certainly being addressed. Yeah, this is not a position that you can fix long term over uh, or uh, fix long term overnight. Um, you know, just by you know either loading up on defensive linemen from the portal that you know might not be able to cut it. This has to be a focused approach on the high school ranks where you can develop guys. We saw what Bo Davis can do with defensive linemen um, when it comes to developing them. I mean, that Texas defensive line this year was very, very good. Um, and a lot of those guys were all guys that were developed by Bo Davis. And um, it took some time for some of those guys to turn into those type of players. So um, I think you get a guy like Dominic McKinley, you get a guy like Gabriel Rellaford. Those are elite. Traitsy guys um, as as Charles power and our rankings team likes to talk about them uh, they have the tools to be really successful at LSU um, I talked to Charles uh, in a piece uh, for the Bengal Tiger you can check it out on there and you know he mentioned the expectations as you get closer to the ball it's harder to make an early impact uh, is one of the things that most uh, coaches and and rankings guys will tell you and that being said Dominic McKinley is Pushing about 6'5, almost 300 pounds. He'll be here this summer, but athletically, he has a chance to potentially be a rotational player early on because of that need that LSU has on the defensive line.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Look, they've got Guillory back. They'll have Jalen Lee, um, maybe move some guys around. But yes, you have signed a handful of D linemen here. You got Sean Washington as a JUCO addition on the D line, and we'll see what else they add to the roster. I mean, again, Brian Kelly said, between now and the start of the season, the goal is to add more to the defensive tackle spot. So it was a worried position for him because of depth. You lose Mikai Wingo and Mason Smith there. You had some transfers of some guys who weren't playing. And ultimately, it left you without many bodies there. So I, uh, I'm eager to see how spring ball goes and then certainly what these guys look like over the summer. But I did see a tweet the other day that Relaford was
0: running 20-something miles an hour uh, in practice on his uh, track pad. He can roll, man. He's he's gonna be fun to watch. He, I think he's got a chance to be really, really good for well, And
1: again, and now we'll I'll let you do the ad read real quick. But we're talking about guys from Evangel, Acadiana. These are teams that compete at the highest level that play for state titles. Like you're getting guys from proven programs, and even get into your other D linemen Ahmad, like a guy like Ahmad Bro. I know Demirian Johnson's out of Westgate. They obviously are a great program, but Ahmad Bro, Russin wins a state title. They've got the best defense in the state two years in a row. And he's being coached by Kyle Williams, who is an all-pro, an LSU legend, and now is hands-on with him every day. So I like this D-line group, and I'm I'm eager to see how kind of they pan out.
0: Agreed. Um, and Shay, something we can also agree on is that our friends at the Bengal Tiger should check out myperfectfranchise.net. My perfect franchise, Andy Ludicky and his entire team can lead you through the opportunities that are that are there. Uh, for franchise ownership. And if you're ready to leave that corporate rat race for the American dream, or looking for a side hustle while working your current job, or wanting to even diversify, build wealth, or leave a legacy, Andy can help and his consulting is free for you. He helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit to it, and more. They're free. And he's here to help if you have any questions about business ownership. So Let Andy tell you his story. Andy Ludicky has been rocking with us at the Bengal Tiger for a long time. Check him out at myperfectfranchise.net. You can contact Andy at Andy, A-N-D-Y, at myperfectfranchise.net. Give him a call, 404-973-9901, and learn about the opportunities with franchising that he can share with you um, and show you the way to building another avenue. Uh, to wealth and uh, setting up your family uh, for years to come. Appreciate Andy and his support of the Bengal tiger podcast. Shay uh, you laid it out really well um, in two stories, right around lunch, right before Brian Kelly's press conference, LSU finishes with the number four recruiting class on, on three. And they, they flipped 11 prospects in route to that uh, run as the number four recruiting class. This is back-to-back top five classes for the tigers they hit on their guys in Louisiana. Just some closing thoughts, uh, not on the pod, but uh, for this 2024 recruiting class.
1: And you didn't let me hate on your pizza choices. So let me just go ahead and ask if you, uh, on the producer side, had the clips ready of when you debated me if this would be a top 10 class at, uh, over the summer. And, and I went bold enough to say I think it had a chance at top five.
0: Well, I would well, also well, argue that... You never said that Jimbo Fisher was going to be fired.
1: Well, it doesn't matter. I just say anything can happen. It's recruiting.
0: Anything can happen. It's recruiting. You are, you are the optimist on the pod. I will give you that. And the site. All yeah. right. Uh, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I thought then, yes, they – look, Jimbo got fired, and they made quick work of it by flipping four trench players, two O-linemen, two D-linemen out of AM's class. I thought that was massive, obviously, but – Yeah, they finished four. Um, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, as I mentioned earlier, go one, two, three. Uh, Texas at five. Uh, Oregon at six. Miami at seven. Notre Dame at eight. Penn State at nine. And then Florida gets into the top ten, landing at number ten. LSU, uh, in terms of star power ranking here, uh, five-star wise, signed three five-stars. The only school with more was Georgia and Bama. They both signed four. So when you talk about competing with the best of the best, recruiting like Kirby Smart, recruiting like Bama has traditionally, uh, recruiting like Ryan Day and Ohio State do, uh, by really they're able to go national and consistently put together top classes, whatever your avenue is, I like that they were able to do this and get themselves right up there with those teams, because that means you're bringing in elite talent and then you're set up to develop elite talent. And Billy, if you go back I'm, or I can just click it and if you're not watching on YouTube, it doesn't matter. Um, but you'll see the average NIL valuation. This is not what every kid's getting paid, but their valuation. And you can break it debt, on on three. You can read about it. It's broken down of where you're going to, the position you play, ranking Oh, like a million. There's not a million, but a lot of factors that go into it. And it gives you a rough guess at what the average NIL cost for each uh, class would be look at the disparity bam at 175k uh, georgia 195 ohio state around 170. uh, texas right behind lsu's at 225 lsu sitting at 95k under 100k so we've talked a lot about nil we've talked a lot about how they can continue to improve it and they're pushed to do so and all that but to crack the top five with that disparity and what you had to do nil wise is massive. And I think it, what it ties into is my other comment here. And I think these are numbers that maybe don't surprise you, but if you really think about it, it drives home the reality of what's happening. Billy, they signed 29 guys. 20 of the 29 guys are Louisiana natives. 25 of the 29 played high school in Louisiana or Texas. And then if you toss in a border state in Mississippi, P.J. Woodland, the 7A defensive player of the year, Max Preps player of the year and Mississippi, 25 of the, or excuse me, 26 of the 29 will have played in either Louisiana or a border state, Texas or Mississippi. That leaves you only three players of nearly 30 signees, only three who didn't come from one of those three States. And it was Georgia, Florida. And then they went to North Carolina and they got an offensive tackle on Ethan Calloway. And I asked Brian Kelly about it and he said, look, this is going back to the roots of what's made LSU great. And he tossed in, look, Georgia, and they got C.J. Jackson out of Georgia. Uh, should have mentioned him as well. Uh, but Georgia, Florida, into Mississippi, but really putting a big emphasis on Louisiana and Texas. When you look back at the great LSU teams, that's what they were made up of. Those were where the guys are coming from. And then I think it's twofolds into it, Billy, that in the era of the portal – guys from louisiana guys from east texas guys from south mississippi they're not going to leave as quickly if playing time isn't there and they can develop then other guys will because they're so close to home they're even if they don't play yet as a freshman or into their sophomore year their parents are at every game they go home whenever they really feel like it i think this is a strategy that's multi-layered in why they want to make louisiana and east texas a priority And I thought they hit a home run there this cycle. I mean, they signed 11 of the top 12 players in Louisiana, Wardell Mack being the one guy who didn't. He went to Florida and then flipped to Texas. And there was a point where they just realized he wasn't showing much interest. Everybody else they got, everybody else that they offered, they got.
0: Yeah, I I think this class is really well done. And uh, I think having it be a kind of down year, like, top to bottom in louisiana like you have star power at the top and then from there it was a bunch of guys that hovering right around four star range you know not many uh that really ended up in that hundred range it gave Relliford, uh you had kylan billiott a couple more at the top um but i think they were able to get a class that filled a lot of needs and brian kelly kind of talked about that a little bit today when he you know was asked about the portal and how do you use it and um he went back to his first year where they needed to bring in numbers and fill huge number of roster spots. This class should be that kind of final, okay, now we can just use the portal to really plug in and play uh, certain guys at certain spots. Whereas uh, this cycle, even though it was a smaller group than we've seen in the past, still needing to bring in true like depth uh, to help you think of guys like Jair Brown and, Austin Osbury and guys like that, just to address the depth um, in the future, you would hope that they are kind of being super selective of guys that can step into a starting role or be a first guy off the bench and play a lot of snaps, uh, top to bottom in a small transfer class because you sign the number of guys you sign in this cycle. And then 2025 is off to just such a roaring start that um, LSU, I think, is is really starting to get into what could be, I mean, very much considered the best recruiting time since I've joined the beat. Um, I know you, you've seen a lot of talent come through in recruiting classes, but um, since I've been here, you look at the, the 2025 class and where it's headed. That just seems like to me, the almost like the, the true <laughs> kicking the door down into this new golden era of, of LSU recruiting.
1: Well, strike while it's hot. Nick Saban's retired. If there's a, a feeling that... Yeah maybe everybody else can get a piece of the pie as well, then uh, go for it. And look, Georgia is, yes, Georgia's been on an absolute tear. Uh, Michigan won the national championship, but you're not facing Michigan for recruits every year. So it's almost out of sight, out of mind there. Georgia's the other one. And Georgia's in a state as talent rich as anyone in the country. And they have Florida, Florida State, Miami, LSU, Bama, Auburn, everyone's in their state. So they're always up against it to have to go elsewhere and get guys. And they don't really come to Louisiana. So as Brian Kelly said, it's nice to dip into Georgia, the Atlanta metro area every year and get a CJ Jackson or get someone like that. Um, But again, I I was impressed uh, that they were able to keep it pretty local and finish with the top five class. That's a combination that, as you noted, in a down year, wasn't sure they were going to be able to pull off. Um, But of note, 29 signees, Billy, 11 of them were flips
0: necessary. Void by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. For details. Yeah, really, really good job on those flips too. Some, some were senior year evals. Um, you look at, you look at a guy like Joe Crier. You look at a Bernard Causey. Guys like that. Uh, they that were both are, committed to Ole Miss. Both committed to Ole Miss uh, as well, and and that kind of you know shows that you can, you know, for the most part, pretty clearly take guys that you want in Louisiana from Ole Miss, even though they're having a little success in recruiting right now. Um, you know, they had to battle for some of these guys too. Xavier Atkins, they held off. Um, you know, PJ Woodland flipped from in state. Um, or did he did he ever commit? He committed, right? Woodland um, was state, committed
1: right? to state and decommitted and,
0: that's yeah, right. Um, say. so they they kind of did it around the you know, border state guys uh as well. So um I I just think just top to bottom you address a lot of needs and you can't say they're not you know filling needs with with talent there's a lot of talent in this class there's a lot of guys in this class overall but i think what can make this class really end up looking back on it and saying wow that that hit and something we maybe haven't seen as much of lately is some of these sleeper guys can really outperform rankings and become you know a star like a dj chark or uh, Russell Gage and things like that, and 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 even Patrick Queen, you know, hitting on some of these guys that are fringe, maybe high three, low four, would be really, really key for LSU's class.
1: Yeah, um, we're about to wrap up here with some thoughts on kind of our sleepers, maybe on each side of the ball, Billy. But I'll also point out of the eleven flips, it just dawned on me, Mike Elko, uh, LSU did him no favors this cycle because the first flip they had was a mod bro who was committed to Mike Elko at Duke. He gets an LSU offer. He flips into LSU's class. Elko gets the big A&M job shows up and four of his best commitments have flipped LSU uh, before he can even do anything about it. Uh, he wasn't even there for some of them It had happened right after Jimbo got fired, but, uh, and Rellford guys like that before it, but uh, McKinley happening in January was certainly after he had been named the head coach. So Elko kind of a part of five or almost six uh, guys in this class who he was in on or the head coach of who ended up flipping to LSU. So that kind of stings there. Um, but also, uh, one thing everyone forgets, and we I think everyone forgets it for this reason, remember when Deion Sanders and Prime were all the rage? No, I'm not talking about when they were 2-0 and or 3-0, and everybody was tuning in for the games, and they were going into quadruple overtime or whatever, at Colorado State. Way before that, in the spring, they were knocking down commitments, dominoes. They were reeling guys. They were hosting guys. And it was riding this Dion swag. And Jawan Johnson, Mr. Football Louisiana, commits to them. He was one of the first flips. The only guy who didn't flip from an SEC or ACC school would have been Jawan Johnson, flipping from Colorado to LSU. So they even got after Coach Prime this cycle.
0: Yeah. Take no prisoners on the flip route uh, for LSU. Um Shay, let's let's wrap up with, with some sleeper predictions. We started at the top with two five-star plus prospects. Now let's go into some guys on on offense and defense that could end up outperforming their ranking or um maybe aren't talked enough about. Do you want to lead off or do you want me to lead off?
1: Yeah, I think we have to the, the guidelines here have to be more outperformer ranking, I think, because there's some guy. C.J. Jackson, I feel like nobody's talking about, but we've got him as a top 150 player on on three, and he's the edge rusher that ultimately they got to replace the miss on Colin Simmons. And I think that if you stack up their two, two careers down the road, I can't promise you at this point which one's going to look better. Um, so I think a guy like that deserves some love, and there's a lot in that mix. But I think we got to go on the back end of this uh, with guys who are not as highly ranked as others. Um, you want me to go offense or defense first?
0: Yeah. Uh- Dealer's choice, Shay. Let's, you just let's want do- me to go both. Uh yeah.
1: Let's All do that. Right. I'm 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 cheating, but I'm also projecting here, which is what recruiting is about. Uh on offense, I'll go Ori Williams. Um, one of your favorite prospects. And I didn't steal it. I already know who Billy chose. He actually stole who I would have chosen, but I'm going Ori Williams on offense. I think that basketball player, track, you know, disc is shot put. Uh, but someone who is still raw, will need to learn the game a bit more, but also has a lot of the LSU coaches kind of drooling to get him into Brad Davis's room and into the strength and conditioning program because they feel, feel like he has some big upside uh, coming out of San Marcos. So I will choose Ori Williams as an offensive tackle who, he was a four-star offensive tackle, but right outside the, on, on three, but right outside the top 25 offensive tackles, number twenty six and not even inside the top 30 offensive tackles uh, on the industry ranking. So 6'7", 300, I'll pick him. Here's where I might be cheating a little, but I'll project. My defensive player I'll pick is actually an offensive signee. I think Michael Turner, the receiver out of John Curtis, is someone who could play. I've already heard it from sources around LSU that Corey Raymond wants to see what he can do in the summer and in camp as a cornerback they're low on corners. They've got some young guys, but at this point you want to toss guys into the mix, see how they look. He can run. He's got a slight build, but that may be better suited at corner than it is at receiver. Sometimes I think you can, but we've seen it with Grady Williams and Dante Jackson, others like they'll bulk up Christian Fulton, even in a way uh, was thinner. He bulked up. So I'm not worried about that. I just think that with the way he can turn and run and with the lack of When you play at Curtis, you're playing in the veer. It's not like he's been playing receiver and racking up thousand yard seasons. Like you're just in that offense. For me, I would say, hey, let's just see what you can do at corner. And I think that is, if he's down for it, they're going to give him a chance to do both. And I can remember when uh, Tredavious White, Mo Claiborne, guys like that came through here. And we've seen Jacoby Stevens bounced around to both sides of the ball. They ultimately land on defense and become really good players and starters. So uh, I'll pick Michael Turner.
0: Uh, I am intrigued to know which one – we didn't talk about which one you were going to pick. I would, have
1: picked, I would have picked the one you're saying right now.
0: Okay. Kyrie Lee out of uh, New Orleans, out of John Errett. Um, that area. He's, I think, somebody that looking at him over the past year and how much weight he's dropped. I mean, he looked – we didn't recognize him at summer camp. He looks even better now. Um, he has just put in so much work. I think he – I said this on the board – Shay, you had a thread that was the biggest surprise. And so I kind of took it and turned it into a little like lukewarm, maybe semi-hot take, saying that Kyrie Lee has a chance to be the best offensive lineman LSU signed. You know, there's Weston Davis, who is an elite athlete, um, so good uh athletically and and all those traits we see. But Kyrie Lee has just really put in a ton of work. I think he's talented, he can move, especially now that he's dropped the weight. Sometimes you got to hit on these Louisiana sleepers and he's somebody that I could completely see uh, panning out in a, in a good way for LSU. So he seems really bought in, he loves Brad Davis. Um, and so if he takes that coachability and, and you know, shows it now at LSU, I think he's got a chance uh, to be very, very good multi-year starter and, and get a shot in the league, um, you know, uh, after his college career. And then the other one I'll pick is Collage Cobbins. And uh, some of you guys on the board uh, are certainly ones that, uh will say, well, why is why isn't he ranked higher? Why isn't he this? Why is why isn't he that? He is so productive on Friday nights. And that is exactly the reason why I'm uh, picking him as a sleeper. I think he has got some frame limitations, but could be somebody that pans out because he's twitchy, because he the he's athletic and can run. Seeing him at the All American Bowl, it just showed that he needs to bulk up. He needs to find a way to get stronger and bigger and all those things but he has some of the twitch and the traits that you want in terms of being able to run and move around. So I don't know where Blake Davis or Blake uh, uh, Baker ends up playing him, but uh, it could be off the edge. It could be as a will. It could be somewhere. He's got some wheels and ability to run. And um, sometimes you need versatile guys like that and and you can kind of plug them in and, and they can make an impact on that front. So um, I'll go with collage Cobbins. I know a lot of people's favorite, one of their favorite prospects in the class is uh, tut, but um, I, I just think he's got a chance to out, outperform his ranking a good bit. Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
1: lucky in line at the deli, I guess. I In my dentist's office
0: more than once. Actually, do I have to say yes, you do in the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: The Kyrie, and he's an interior lineman, but the pick reminds me a little of what we're seeing right now or what we're hearing behind the scenes on a guy a year ago. He was a little bit more highly ranked. He was a top 150 player, but nobody talked about him coming out of St. Aug as much as they did everyone else, but Tyree Adams. Oh, yeah. And he will Campbell's left tackle back up at left tackle. And will Campbell plays every snap of every game, so you don't ever hear Tyree Adams' name. But people around the building are like, Watch out for Tyree Adams, he has come along quickly. So, uh, I like it going back to back O lineman uh, out of the New Orleans area. Actually, you went full on New Orleans there, going Destrahan and uh, um, Ward, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Warren Easton. I was gonna
0: say Warren Easton. uh, John Eric. Oh, boy. Oh, the, the comments. The common people are gonna be coming after us now. Um no, yeah. I, I I'm giving it to New Orleans, uh Frank Wilson's territory, Cortez down there. Um they're 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 two guys to watch.
1: I picked a River Ridge kid too. So we would three of our f- four kids from the area no and really that's just the hit rates i mean come on give me south louisiana guys actually give me north louisiana guys too i got love for everybody now so louisiana yeah,
0: north, north louisiana led the uh state in uh what was it per capita nfl picks in last year's draft there you and, go uh, however that works so we know there's talent uh, all over the state of louisiana but uh north louisiana is definitely coming along as well so uh it's taking center stage in 2025 which is Before you know it, what we'll start focusing on uh, full time here. It's been uh, a lot of good news on the 2025 class. And uh, the end of this 2024 recruiting cycle, Shay, is here for the high school guys. We'll be monitoring the portal, maybe some JUCO guys uh, for LSU as it all plays out this spring. But everybody, thanks for following along. Another recruiting cycle in the books.
1: Yeah. Thank you to everybody. Obviously we love being on the board with y'all podcast, whatever it is. Um, most listeners here probably hang out with us every day on the Bengal tiger message board and site. Uh, but we do want to give a thank you. Uh, we had um, nearly 500 new members, at Billy, uh, or at least signups in the month of January. That was one of the best of anyone at on three. So mad shot, big shout out, mad love, all of that uh, to the LSU fans. And look, it's a dollar to join the Bengal tiger. Google it or get on on three, find the LSU page, the Bengal tiger and me, you and Maddie B that's where we'll, uh, where we're hanging out every day. Yep.
0: So thanks for listening to this edition of the Bengal tiger podcast. Follow us wherever you get your podcast at, and we'll be back before you know it with another edition and breaking it all down as far as what's next in the class of 2025, but LSU wraps up another top five class for Brian Kelly, uh, back-to-back years. So Keep it locked on the Bengal Tiger to track all the recruiting news. And for Shea Dixon, I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the pod.